is up, everybody? Uh, my name is Zach Workin, and this is another exciting episode of the Youth Ministry Booster Podcast. This is a repeat guest, a returning customer. Uh, we love Seth Muse, and in an age of digital questions and online media uh, and the real, real importance of communication in this season, I can think of no better guide who's both aware and informed and understanding of what it means to lead out in this season than Seth Muse. Excited to have him back on the podcast after a few years of chatting, seeing where things are going now. I think you're going to love what he has to share and say. And so we love connecting youth pastors to great resources and people like Seth. He is highly informed and just a fun guy. And so you can check out all the things about him in this episode and this fun interview with him. And if you haven't checked it out, Signups are now open for Youth Ministry Booster membership. And so if you're excited to be part of a collaborative community where we're having these ongoing conversations about what it means to lead in this age and beyond, we'd love to connect you that way. You can check that out at youthministrybooster.com. Signups only available this summer for our next season that we're really, really excited about. So until the end, here's our good friend, Seth Muse. What's up, everybody? Uh, super excited to have we've finally been doing it long enough. Two hundred plus episodes it means we're, we're 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 lapping our guests and we're getting to catch up, do some updates. And I am so excited to have one of my favorite people back on the podcast, the one, the only Seth, the Muse. Seth, how you doing, sir? I'm good, man. How are you? Oh man, I'm sick and my voice is hoarse, which is <laughs> you know you never want to have a, a little bit of a horse on a podcast. We're gonna let you do a lot of the talking today because you've okay. got great things to share, uh, and I cannot wait for our audience to hear about some of the latest developments that you have going on, but also the ways in which it encourages us to do ministry throughout the week. And I think that's one of the things that we're gonna come back to again and again in this podcast is that if you are doing youth ministry waiting around for Sunday or Wednesday, you are missing out on prime ministry hours and the ways in which the tools have changed to enable us to do ministry at a much higher level and a much more connected and relational way. So Seth, catch us up a little bit. The last time we talked to you, you were serving on staff in ministry. You were doing a podcast called Seminary of Hard Knocks. We want to hear what you've got going on in the last two and a half, three years. Yeah, absolutely. And just again, thanks for having me on. I was a youth pastor for 17 or so years okay. before I jumped into communications. So um, youth ministry is something I'm you know, always near and dear to my near heart and for, dear. Near and for dear. you guys that are doing it. I'm glad you guys are doing it and that I'm doing something else, but I'm thankful for the ones that are serving in those trenches with those kids, man. I remember what it's like and mm. uh, it's crazy. Um, like I said, I was in youth ministry for a while, jumped into communications. recently. Um, finally made the move that I think I'm supposed to have made for a while. And that is, I am no longer on a church staff. I am jumping into supporting communications for communicators, pastors, leaders in the church, starting a company called Church Comm Team. You can find that at churchcomteam.com. And uh, what we do is we will support or lead uh, your communications efforts at your church. A lot of people wear multiple hats and they're handing tasks off and it's kind of a hodgepodge and they don't have the the budget to really hire a full-time staff person or a team to do this. And so what we do is for the for less than the price of or about the price of maybe a part-time staff person, we give you a full expert team to work with cool. and to to handle all your communications, request forms, design, uh, social media, 
uh, writing, email, all those kinds. Everything but video at this point, really, because video is just so time-consuming. But sure. um, we basically do everything else for you: set up your system, set up your policies, get you get you going, communicate with all your people inside and outside the church. So really excited about that. Also doing some things with church comms, uh, church communications group, and things like that. So you see some which, which maybe for people is a starting point because I think that's kind of a, a term that's become vogue. That maybe uh, we even joked about it on the pre-show. Uh, church communications not so long ago just meant right. whatever lady in the office was folding the newsletter, or mm-hmm. you know the secretary that was taking notes during staff meeting that was canonizing yeah. those into some kind of maybe fancy email or just something to put on the bulletin board. And I think growing up, church communications just meant the bulletin board. And that was literally the church communications department was, did you have your thing either in the Mm -hmm. binder, which made it binding, or on the communication bulletin board, which made it official? And so just like, tell us a little bit how that's changed and really how it's it's become its own kind of industry. It it really has morphed. And part of what you just described is why um, it's kind of a struggle and a battleground right now because in those days, it did mean just the person who passed on information because the lanes that you had to drive in for information communication were email and, you know, print. And, you know, it was, it was like these little small, the bulletin board. A lot of times they were physical locations in your church or putting something in someone's hand. And the way communications itself just media in general has exploded in the digital space has and, and everyone flocking to it has really changed what that word means. And so a lot of churches struggle with jumping the gap there between here's what communications used to mean and here's the enormous thing that it is now that one person kind of in their spare time handling this can cannot possibly handle because of the content that needs to be created, the things that need to be done. And with that, because people have moved to this digital media space for much of their lives, uh, where they interact with people, it has become less about information and more about actual engagement and relationship building. And therefore, has a ministry taste to it that is really confusing for a lot of us because we have not in the past had, you know, like you, you wouldn't think of your bulletin board sitting in the, in the hallway of your church that has all your missionaries on it as a place where you build relationships. Right. Right. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like right. handing out your bulletin is not a relationship building tool in the past. And now it kind of is a place that you, even if you're doing a physical bulletin, you want to have a place to connect with them later and have a way to connect with you. And there's all these different, like, relational elements. It's not just about the passing of the info. So communications has changed drastically. And you know, like all things in the church typically are, we're a little slow to grasp that. We're, and, wait, we're wait and see. It's all wait and see. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll see if this we'll is We'll see thing. about this radio. How, how's radio going to do? <laughs> right. Right. It's like this, let's just hang out and see what other people do before we get into it. And then 10 years later, we go, oh my gosh, we really need a Facebook. Thing happening. And you're like, dude, you need Instagram, you need YouTube, you need all these different things. Well, you don't need all that, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, there's all these other things that are happening and you don't know how to do the first thing because yeah. you've waited so long. Right, right. It and just piles so up. It piles <laughs> up and it becomes this overwhelming looking thing. And then typically you hand that off to someone, like you said, who is responsible for the phones 
and you know some administrative tasks, and you go here, and they don't know what to do with that, and they have to figure it out. And I'm, that's why I'm thankful for groups like we have and places they can go to to go. Oh my gosh, I have this thing. What do I got? What do I do? Yeah. And uh, because so many of us were thrown into this whole space and go. These waters are much deeper and filled with way more sharks than we thought. Well, t- tell us a little bit about some of the things in that change. I think all of us uh, in the youth ministry sphere uh, undeniably see that you know social media through its many channels. And I think that's always the hard part is we want to talk about it broadly, but specifically that means things like TikTok and Snapchat, which mm-hmm. are both very different or Facebook, which might be aging, but still vital because that's where the parents of students are that we're trying to partner with and minister to, or, you know, is Twitter the place where we go talk cynically with other Christian and church leader friends? And like, there's all these kind of like nuances to each of the apps, but at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, those are just channels on the TV where the, you know, the TV is the thing or social is the thing. But then we still have these older forms of communication, whether it's texting, phone calls, or email that are just as vital to the systems. Maybe walk us through a little bit. If we're a youth minister and and we hear the importance of communication, can you peel back some of the layers of the onion of what it means to think about communications, not just as the big picture, but the ways in which you appropriate the different channels to build a system that helps communicate with those that are, you know, a part of your church or just outside of the circle of influence of your youth ministry community or church. Absolutely. I think that if you're starting off, that there are two books that you've got to get and read. And it's Rethink Communications by Phil Battle and Less Chaos, Less Noise by uh, Kim Meyer. Those two books will help you understand just the vastness of all of it and, and what needs to happen so that you can start to form a real strategy. I think that the as far as like which things to to care about the most, I think everyone should care about first the spaces that you own. Okay. You don't own Facebook, right? They can do whatever they want. They yeah. can screw up your algorithm all they like. Instagram's the same. Snapchat, TikTok, all these things are not yours. So you rent that space. You right. use that according to however they want. Your website and your Google search and those types of things. You your do email own. list, your your your, your text list. your text list. Yes. Or, yeah, yeah. Text messaging kind of programs. Those types of things are ways to communicate with your people that you own. You can control a lot more about that if you can get your people to use them. Right. Or or just kind or, of the trick. Or get your people on those lists. Right, right. I'm yes. sending emails, but they're just going to spam folders. <laughs> I mean, and, and when people go, oh man, I'm only getting like 20% of my emails opened. That's great. That's really good for email. <laughs> I think you should try to go higher. Obviously, always try to do better, but yeah. uh, 20% is kind of the standard. And here's the deal. 20% of your emails getting opened is still better than the less than 1% of people who see your Facebook post. So think about that. Still yeah. better. So email is a big deal. Your website, getting found on Google in search, and I think even using YouTube as a search engine, yep. thinking that way is a good jump into the social media deal. So the, the issue is, is that we're, we're thinking about these things in communications, and I, I bet youth ministers are thinking about this too, because they're often on the razor's edge of what's new and what's cool, because they have to be, right? Yep. They're the guinea pigs. It's like, we'll let the youth group try it, and then if it works, we'll do it, you know, or we'll try to figure out how it works for us is a typical strategy for a lot of churches with some of these digital tools that are available. And I think that when you're doing that, it's like, that's cool. Let them be the guinea pig, but talk and figure out how to use it. Because often it's like, let's just watch the students do it. 
and then nothing happens. Student ministry uses stuff that works and they figure out ways that it works. And uh, then the church doesn't adopt any of it. So I think there's got to be a talk there and allowing your youth minister to kind of lead the way, at least researching. Yeah. Because, you know, there's, because I'm looking at youth ministry and go, Instagram's going to be big for you, you know? And, for, but, you know, if you're a church that's, you know, an aging church and you do have students, Instagram's going to be big for your students. It's not going to be big for your 75-year-old little ladies. That, that's right. You know, they that's right. They're not going to be on Instagram. They might be on Facebook. They definitely have an email. And so, you know, those are the kind of things you have to think about when you're going, how do we communicate with these different groups inside the church? Because if you don't think about that and, and let it be okay that you don't have an Instagram for everything and a Facebook for everything and an email list for everything, you don't need all that, right? What's going to be the best thing? Because if you keep giving people more places to communicate with you, you're basically thinning out your own message, yeah. making it more difficult to follow you. And which which I think is, is, is the real frustration is that so many folks jump into every new thing, but they don't keep up with it. Mm-hmm. And then, then we have the like hanging Zanga or the unfinished MySpace. <laughs> that's, and it was, as soon as it becomes out of date, then, they, then yeah. they really care less about what you have to say. And so it's right. better to be consistent in two places than try to cover all your bases for 20. Right. Absolutely. Because if you do spread that message out, I mean, because today it's all about focus, right? I mean, you've got to have a focus. If you're trying to be everything to everyone everywhere, it's, it's, it's not an effective strategy in the digital space. Just not. Yeah. There are so many things happening. I think the last stat I read, it's probably gone up way up since then, but this was a couple of years ago I read this stat. It said that the average American person who's online is hit with over 10,000 marketing messages a day. Wow. And you think about it, I mean, talking about like you just see a logo on something, that's a marketing message, right? It's, it's, there's so many of them. There's, everything's got a logo on it. Everything's got an icon. Everything's got a message on it. They're trying to get you to do something. And so your brain is working overtime to conserve the energy of your brain. And, and, and it's looking at all that and it starts to see so much. And instead of seeing each individual message, it starts to categorize it as one big lump of stuff you don't care about and filter it out. And they'll never see it. It's the forest for the trees. It's, it's that same exact issue. And so when you're hitting people with so many things at once in all these different places, it feels like you're being effective when actually you're shooting yourself in the foot. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to focus in like, where are we going to really focus on students? Like have a flagship. Instagram is our flagship. Yeah. Where are we going to focus on student parents? Probably a Facebook group yeah. uh, or an Instagram. You know, it, it, they'll follow you on Instagram if your parents are young enough now, but um, and they can follow that too. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but it's not a good feedback place for parent community. And like you go on a, a mission trip and your, your bus is late. You know, where do you communicate that? Yeah. Well, email is probably, or text is definitely your best. Email is great if you have a list, but for everybody else who's not on that, do you drop it on Instagram or you drop it in a Facebook group? Yeah. Hey, everybody, the bus is parked here. That's great. That's what's really awkward geotagging for, <laughs> yeah. for the whole, because well, you don't want the whole world to know. You want the parents to know. Right, right, right. Right. Yeah. And in Facebook groups, you can make those private so that nobody can see it. Uh, so you just post that in the Facebook group and send it to the people that care. Yeah. And then people like me who don't have a student, well, I do, but I, if I didn't have a student in the student ministry, then I wouldn't see that and go, oh, well, so what? Because yeah. the more you put stuff in front of me that I say, so what, yeah. to, 
the more I'm going to say, so what to you about you in general yep, that's it. and just filter that's it. it all out. That's just how my brain works. That's how everybody's brain works is that okay, we don't so, want to do work. We don't have to do. Okay. So but I want to probe a little bit deeper on that because that is like, that is such a truthful statement that if you keep putting things in front of me that I don't care about, I'm going to care less about you. And mm-hmm. yet, and yet if we talk about anything related to communications, content is king and consistency mm-hmm. is the co-air. So mm-hmm. how do we create content consistently so that we're not overthinking, so we're not diluting by putting it everywhere, we're not overthinking by not posting at all. So how do we convince ourselves, talk yeah. ourselves up and be consistent enough and putting out quality content to keep people connected? Well, I think you said it right there. That's part of, of the, of the tripwire is that we keep saying quality content. Quality is an adjective that can mean so many different things. Okay. Because quality indicates that you have something that that means already. What is quality content? And that is linked directly to what do you want to have happen here when they see this? And so if your goal for that is clear, then quality content becomes easy to find. If your idea of quality is super designed, hyper trendy, hip stuff, then you know what you need to do. You cannot produce that over and over and over. You need to go with one of these done-for-you websites that'll do sure. it. Uh, Church Media Squad, I have a link to them. That yeah. is a, it's an affiliate, but it's, it gives you a first month free, and it's yeah. awesome. It's, uh, and, it's, and it's hip, cool. It's, it's dope stuff. <laughs> oh, they do incredible stuff. I yeah. mean, I follow some of the designers on Instagram just to see what else they're doing. I'm like, I'm blown away. These guys yeah. are amazing. And that's custom-made graphics done for you. You know, you pay a monthly fee, and they'll design whatever you want to design, and it will be awesome. Um, I don't particularly think everyone needs that. And um, if, if you define quality as something that engages people, gets them talking, gets them responding or um, doing something, you know, motivating them to some kind of action, I, I tend to lean more that way when I think of quality than sharing user-generated content, somebody else's stuff is super easy to do. You just have to look around and find it and then go share it. Yeah. Um, you know, and if design is not your strength and if you're a church that's known for like, you got to think about your people too. Are they cool? You know, are they hip and trendy people? Yeah. I mean, they're they're probably less cool than you. I think that's right. We all start at our level, but just let's, let's be honest. Most of the folks in our church are laughing at memes and jokes that we think are really silly. Yeah. And what's the design level of a meme really? I mean, it's pretty low. You know, at the end of the day, you think about what really gets people engaged, laughing, commenting, sharing. Yeah. Talking about your stuff. It's stupid, poorly designed, funny memes. And you know what? There's a ton of ways to create your own that you can turn a famous, popular uh, GIF or a meme into something that discusses something going on at your church. That's not super hard to do. And all you, I mean, I have one on my uh, my phone. It's an app called Mematic. And it is basically, here's all the memes. You input your, your own text or whatever you want to do and save it. It's free. And, and it's like, that's super easy. It takes 10, 15 minutes to create a piece of content that will probably do better than your super the original graphic that you paid $37 for that was, right. you know, custom colored for you. Yep. yep. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you're a photographer or designer, I mean, yeah, there's some you, you need to think about your wall and what it looks like. And the story your, it's telling. Yeah, your yeah, aesthetic yeah. and all that stuff. 
But for if you're a church, what are you really trying to do with social media? Are you trying to look cool? Are you trying to be Hillsong or Elevation Church? Or right. are you trying to reach the people God has put into your follow list? And I think that's more important. I think well, getting them to that's, talk to you is huge. My, my, my favorite youth pastors, that are some, some of our members over at Youth Ministry Booster in our network, uh, I, I, there is such an encouragement. And we, we follow back everybody because I love hearting all the stuff that they put out. Mm-hmm. Um, but that talk to the camera use of the Instagram story to communicate to their kids. Like, yes, I get it. You feel silly in your office, holding your phone, talking to yourself. But yep. whether you've got 18 or 88 kids, if they're following your account and you, Josh or Steven or Stephanie, is talking to them in a way that they recognize your face and know your voice, it's worth feeling silly because you're, you're as eligible on their, their story feed that they're sliding through as any celebrity or YouTuber that they're following. Like You're in the mix. You're right there. And because you have a relationship with them, who cares if 3,000 people didn't see it? You're not talking to 3,000 people on a Wednesday night. You're talking to your 20 to 50 kids. And so if yeah. 30 of your kids see the story that was the follow-up thoughts to your talk the night before, it's worth it it's totally worth it and it's totally organic in you yes make the lights look good maybe try to you know have a microphone or earbud to help the audio whatever but you're talking to them and that is Mm -hmm. untapped like connection relational points beyond the sunday or wednesday absolutely and and what we're getting into is an understanding of these digital spaces as more than just blasting stuff about us the bulletin board (laughs) It's, that's a bulletin board. That's exactly it. It's the. It's not. I mean, social media is so much more than just a place to hang your stupid flyer. Right. Right. It, stop. It, stop putting your link on everything you do because people <laughs> are looking. I mean, you think about why did why did they follow you? Why did they follow you? It's because of something that happened. Some experience. Some they liked. They like your service. They go to your church. They feel like they should. They have friends that do. I mean, there's a lot of different reasons they would follow you. Um, on Instagram, Snapchat, whatever you're using. And they're looking for something that they got there to happen here. And what did they get there that they loved? It's some relationship, some moment, some experience. It's some kind of ministry thing. God did something in their life. I mean, all these things can be done in some way on social media as well and in your digital spaces. So with video and video chat and things that happen like that, I mean, there's just so many different avenues for relationships to be built online that has gone way beyond what the administrative side of communications has been in the past of send them information. They don't follow you for information. They go to the website for information, right? They get on your email list probably for some information, but they don't follow your Instagram for information. Right. They don't get in your Facebook group for info. Well, parents might, but well, the kids don't. And, and you know, again, like, what are we always mad about? They didn't and they didn't know, they didn't know, they didn't know. Like, listen, you have been blasting what you were doing. They weren't mm-hmm. listening for it. They turned it off because you weren't talking to them. Yeah. And that's and, one of the like it's, you've got to find a way to communicate to them and not just about you. Yeah. And with that, you you, you bring up a good point. How you talk about it is a huge factor in whether or not they're gonna listen. Because if you're simply behaving like a bulletin board and you're just giving them the info and you think, oh, they go to this church, they believe in Jesus, obviously they know how important it is. So I don't have to convince them that it's important and they should care. I'll just give them the info. That is a formula for disaster. That is when they start going, I didn't hear about it. It's because you told them the info and didn't give them a reason to listen to you. And so they missed the info. 
I think when you're talking about things, it's the difference between this. Okay, so um, in our church and the one I was recently at, we had this way we talked about giving that I thought was brilliant. Okay, we we often got on the stage and when we we did our little pre-giving you know speech that you do every time you're about to take the offering, right? And what I thought was great is that it was filled with vision and we explained it and it was like you don't give to our church, you give through our church. Mm-hmm. And when you think about the first one that talks about, you know, info, like that's money, that's stuff we need from you. And yeah. then the Support other one's the like, thing that we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, here's, yeah. yeah. It's like, but here's what you're doing. If you give, here's the reason, here's the one behind it. And so you talk about, I, you need students to sign up for a mission trip. You don't tell them all the details about the mission trip, how much it costs, when they're going, how do you sign up? All those types of things, they are very important things that you put on your website. But in your social media, you take someone who's been on a mission trip and you talk about how God changed their life and what they got to do and why it was so important to them. And you tell them that story and and basically connect that to that could be you. Yeah. Here's where you go get the info and give them one link. And then if they're compelled by that story, they they will will find the link. (laughs) They'll find the link. You know, it's like, it's going to cost, you know, $4,000 to go on your mission trip anyway. The only ones that are going to go are the ones that are really already compelled to go. Yeah, It's like, you got people that are going to be on the fence. They go, I got the money. I can figure it out. Or I, I don't know if I have the money or not. But that story pushes people over that line Yeah, and helps them make that decision because you're telling them why they should care right. instead of just, you should care. Here's the info. Right. We, we spend way too much time on trying to remunerate the details of like, here's what yes. it is. Here's what it is. And we spend far too little of a time I telling think- a story. And that, that's the part of like the TV element or mm-hmm. the, me- the media and the social media. I think we've been very good about the social. I don't think we've been very good about the media. Like we are not the storytellers through these digital channels like we should be. And and I think it's so wild, Seth, is if someone did a sermon in the same way that we did the social media, we would harpoon them. Like you, that that was the worst sermon I ever heard. He just read the scripture to us. He gave us no application. He gave us no truth, no transformation, no principles. He was just reading genealogies to us. But that's the Mm -hmm. way that we tell it online. And so if we can think of sermonizing the ways we social media to actually be storytellers and producers and directors and preachers yeah. and not just statisticians, we might have a shot. <laughs> and, and, and for the listeners out there going, well, gee, you know, that's scripture's enough. That's all we need. I would challenge you to read the stories of how Jesus taught. It's not yeah. at all what he did. Like the but, way uh, he saw it. Yeah, that's right. The way, the way he, he said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Parables and stories. Yeah, you can read back what he said, but don't miss the way in which he delivered it. Yeah. Exactly. And if he's our example, that should be what we take from that for sure. I, I would say this, that, uh, you know, with, with so many of us, um, information does not inspire people to action. It right. does not. Yeah. If it did, we would all eat a lot of vegetables because we know yeah, the score on vegetables, right. man. We know that's what's it. up. We know that like how to do a proper diet. We know that we don't do it. And why do we not do it? Because pizza is awesome. Pizza's great. I love it. You know, yeah. I love wings and I will, I will die for a cheeseburger. You know, it's like that, that kind of stuff. It's like, why? Because those taste so good because I like them. You know, I, I mean, I, I get emotional about them, you know, about, about certain types of foods. And that's why I struggle to lose weight. And that's why a lot of people struggle with it. It's because we know what's going on with vegetables. But if information were enough to compel us to make the right decision all the time, we'd be vegetarians. We'd eat more vegetables. We eat healthier food and we don't. And it's because, because we, we have emotions invoked on food, 
you know, that are attached to it, whether that's good or bad. But when you're talking about things that you really, really care about that can change people's lives, that's the thing that's going to move them to action. It's not how do I get connected? That's just the afterthought. That's step two or three. Step one is connect with why this is a big deal for you and why you should care about this and why it's important and what's going to happen. And you lead them through that narrative on sharing things online, show them why they should keep, you know, really care about this and they will go find the info. They will get the stuff and, and that won't be a problem. Just make sure that when they they do go, you do have the stuff where, where you say it's going to be. That's another <laughs> right, thing to right, right. follow up. So Seth, uh, on the way out, give us just a little bit more reflection. And we talked about it some in the pre-show. Like, wh- what do you think is the biggest hangup for a lot of folks on social media? Is it the time? Is it the, the fear of posting? Is it the, what, why, why are people not telling better stories online? Why, why are people not posting like they should? Is it a lack of information or is it a lack of conviction about the kind of work you could do? Because we talked earlier, and I think mm-hmm. this is a, is, is a bold but true statement for a group of youth pastors to hear, is that in many ways, the, the sphere of online influence or digital media or church communications is the new youth ministry battleground of the next mm-hmm era next generation like church ministry like youth ministry is fairly established in most churches that some kind of program position staffing directorship like falls under the formation of teenagers but the thing that's adjacent to teenagers that's also a part of the church 2020 revolution is the ways in which we communicate online both to young people and the rest of our churches so what are some Mm -hmm. things that you would kind of empower us to see as like maybe roadblocks to kind of plow through or there's things to keep eyes on as we kind of move forward. Yeah. Well, I think there's a couple of factors there that maybe are going to be real difficult for most of us going forward. And, uh, you know, because it's a battleground, because typically youth ministry is on the front lines of a lot of new things. uh, A lot of youth pastors are going to kind of get this, I think, before others in the on the church staff do, but ultimately, and we could talk about a lot of those things and we will, but at the heart of all of that, I think the real issue is pride. Just like most things, it's we want to look great. We want to appear cool, trendy, hip, and it comes from a good place. We want to connect with our people. We think that's important, but we see all these other churches doing these things. And it's like, you got to ask yourself, why do you want that 10,000 followers so you can get the link in your stories? You know, it's like, why do you really need that? Why, what are you trying to do with that? It's like, mm. there's really a pride issue that comes along with some of this. If we're not really careful. And it is, we could do a post that really engages our people well online, but we won't because we want to do a trendier, cooler looking post because that's the kind of foot we want to put forward. Right, right. We want to be seen as this type of church, this type of place that has this level of design or this level of coolness. I don't know what it is, but it's whatever it is for your church. It's like there's an ego issue there that comes with, and it doesn't come from just the person on social or or whatever. That comes from the top. You know, that comes from how are we leading from senior pastor down? What is important to our church? We have an image we're trying to put out there. And honestly, right now, the church has a PR problem that we're not even talking about. We're not talking about the PR issues that we face in our churches. We have a problem. Yeah. And, you know, like the last thing we really need to care about right now is how cool we look. Yeah, how know? glossy like, that, in, that cover <laughs> image is. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, they're, they're challenging us to weigh in on issues that are not glossy. They are not neat. 
They are not easily nipped up into a bow. They are tough and ugly and, and mm. they require some real dirty hands getting into the muck, you know, of, of things, of, of culture. People want that raw, authentic feel from their church. And when you put forward this image all the time, it makes them feel like maybe you're not even being honest about yeah. who you are because nobody's that glossy. Nobody's yeah. that cool. Um, and so there's that that you have to weigh. I'm not saying that's for everybody, but you got to weigh that out. But I think the other issue that we're facing right now is that, you know, online relationships is a battleground because we're still debating whether or not those are legit. And I think the culture has already decided that they are. And we're not considering that in our ministry strategy, hardly at all. There are some pockets that are. I think church communicators are constantly talking about how this should go. And even in you know church communication spaces, there's a lot of debate. Theologically, what do we think? Uh, what does is, what is an online relationship look like? Well, man, uh, one of the stats I read recently from a study on uh, marriage one in almost 40%, it was one in three, but almost 40% of marriages today begin online mm. through some kind of dating service or wow. met, met you on Facebook, even Facebook yeah. getting a dating service. You know, it's like, how do you meet people? How do you get started? It's online. A lot of people do that. Not everyone, but a lot. And the church is kind of sitting back and waiting to see, you know, and Man, the culture has already decided and kind of moved on. You can debate that all you want, but really what we need to be doing is deciding how are we going to work and function yeah. with ministry inside of these spaces because culture is going to shift and they're not going to ask your permission. They're not going to ask if it's theologically sound to consider a relationship online as legit or not. They're just going to do it or not do it. And when you start to notice that trend happening, your job as a pastor is to go, how can we reach people in the culture where they are? Yeah, And that's where they are online. So you have to think about as a pastor, as a lead pastor, as an elder, worship leader, student pastor, what factor in ministry is online playing as a mm. relationship building tool? Okay. How am I reaching people online that I might actually reach in person, but who I might not ever reach in person? Mm. That's kind okay, of so, too. So Seth, walk, walk us then down this. So former youth pastor, uh, now parent of a student age kiddo. What is a meaningful way this week for someone who, who values it, who sees the value of it, but is maybe mm -hmm. afraid or prideful of, I don't know where to begin. Like, I'm, I'm honest, I'm hearing you. I believe what you have to say. G yep. give, give me a story of transformation. Give me a, a way in, a narrative way in um, to, to make the most of spending an hour on a Tuesday afternoon uh, for creating some kind of content online to help connect with young people. I would say to start, you probably have an Instagram, Facebook, whatever you've got. Um, don't create anything. Go into those platforms, go to your kids' pages, like their stuff, comment on their stuff, engage, ask questions, talk to them. You have to be careful with DMs. You have to be careful in that section for students, especially. So I would say, don't try to do that. And that's where stories get a little iffy. Um, if you're going to do stories as a youth pastor, you need to have a couple of people that have access to that same platform so they yep. can see everything going on too. Um, you got to have accountability in that sense and set that up because nobody's going to set it up for you. They don't know how. Yep. You have to set that up. And that's going to take some integrity on you. 
And if you're going to do DMs and stories and things, they can respond to you in stories. It's going to go to your DMs and Instagram. You have to be able to set up. Like I have three other people that have access to this that'll see how I'm responding. That's just protection for you if you're going to do that. If you don't do that on the feed itself in Instagram or in Facebook, or uh, I'm, I'm kind of always against Snapchat, TikTok, those types of things for student ministry. I just think there's too much there. But if you're using those, find ways to put accountability around you for that so that when you're talking to people uh, who are in your ministry, or maybe they just find you, that you have some accountability. But I think that the majority of even the Instagram algorithm is based around how much you comment and like and, and, and interact with mm-hmm. people, not only on your own posts, but on theirs. And that is a factor, I think, missing from many social media strategies. You have access to your people. Just go talk to them. Pretend like you like on Instagram when you're scrolling, you see something someone posted that you know, treat that like I just ran into them at Starbucks. I'm going to say something about what they saw. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, well, just right there. Like, hey, you posted this picture of your family at Christmas. Yeah. Comment. Like the photo. Comment. Hey, glad you guys had a really great Christmas. Can't wait to see you back. Yeah. Um, What'd you get? Yeah, What'd yeah, you yeah, get? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, some question. Follow it up. Always give them a reason to talk back to you. Yeah. And they'll stop whenever they're done. And that's fine. But engage with them. Because what that does is that creates a relationship with you um, and your church, too. If you're doing it as a, as a church ministry, like your church account or whatever, I still do that there, too. Because what that does is that creates this, this um, impression of you in their mind as a down-to-earth approachable, real person. Even if you're an organization like your church, it creates a persona in their mind of your church that they feel connected to. And when they see you in real life, there is already so much more relationship built there. Yeah. It can be enhanced when you're in face-to-face kind of relationship. And I find that with the church, if, uh, if they've engaged with the church in a positive way, when they show up and they run into the youth pastor, they run into the worship pastor, they apply whatever they got from the main account relationally to you in person. Mm-hmm. And it just helps everybody. It helps yeah. everybody on staff. And, and when you don't match up with what they've seen online, that also hurts you. So you have to be careful. There. <laughs> but I think that there is a lot of culture building that can be done through these kind of relational interactions just in the comment sections. We're so focused on putting stuff out that yeah. we forget they're putting stuff out too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we're just we all yelling we across from each other instead of with each other. <laughs> yeah, it's like they just want to, and they want people to interact with them, be one yep. of those people. Dude, add, add the extra likes and give them the comments they're looking for. That's it. That's yes. it. That's it's what always kind of blows my mind when people ask the question in some of these groups, like, should I follow my people? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Follow them. Follow businesses in your, in your community too. You can establish relationships with. I mean, yeah. my gosh, we're in the relationship business. Social media is not different. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Well, Seth, thank you so much for sharing today. If folks want to catch up a little bit more with you, what's the best place to message you, connect with you, to socialize with you? Where, 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 can, where, can, we, where can we hit you up on the comments or the DMs? Okay. Um, I am, find me at my website, sethmuse.com. That has links to everything. Instagram, it's sethmuse. Uh, just connect with me there, and that's where I'm probably most active. Sweet. But those are, those are the best ways. Well, Seth, thanks for the, the encouragement, the insight, and and the accountability action, man. We're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna leave some comments, some leave some hot takes uh, in your latest post, and some comments, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. All right, there you go. That's our interview with Seth. 
Uh, man, thank you, brother, for all that you do and what you're about. Again, check the links in the listing below for all the show notes, quotes, and how you get connected with what Seth has got going on. Again, a powerful and important person to know and a resource to clutch on to because Seth, uh, brother, thank you for informing us about communication and the ways in which leading out, especially in this time, is so, so very important. Thanks, brother. And everybody else, uh, like, rate, and review, and then we'll see you soon. Never seen before. Are you ready?